By rattling snake and bullfrogs croak, the singing robin and jackalope. By howling coyote and gator's snout, to the crossroads we dance about. Welcome to Southern Bramble, a podcast of crooked ways. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast, so if you want to see Austin and I get extra spicy with special guest hosts, head on over to patreon.com backslash Southern Bramble. If you subscribe, you'll get early access to podcast episodes, recorded video, monthly spell, sigil, or recipe outlines. You'll get to also ask listener questions. And if you join the top tier, you'll be acknowledged at the end of each episode. So please, if you'd like to support us, Check us out on Patreon. I promise you won't regret it. This is Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin, Bane X Bramble on Instagram. Today, we have a super special guest with us. Um, they are currently uh, publishing, or in the book is out, but um, the Black Book of Isabel Gowdy and Other Scottish Charms. Please welcome Ash Mills. Hi, thank you for having me on here. I'm really excited. We are super excited to have you. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a, uh, tell us a little bit about you, Ash? I um so hi, I'm Ash. Um, <laughs> so I first of all um, I have two hands into what I do. So there's my hand in academia, and then there's my hand in like um, what I do spiritually. And a lot of the time, they either intertwine with each other. So in an academic sense, I'm a student at the University of Edinburgh studying um, Scottish history and um, ethnology. Um, and who those are not familiar with ethnology, ethnology is the study of um, a culture, beliefs, um, folklore goes into there. Um, and I do various talks on history and folklore. My other side of me is I am an animist. I am a folk magic practitioner, um, particularly within Scottish folk magic. Um, and I, yes, yeah, so I delve in all this things. Um, I'm a creator as well. So I sculpture things, I commission things. Um, you, usually people message me and like, can you create this? And I'm like, most of the time I can, like just show me your, like your dream, your image. Um, and I'll try my best. And I, I never really have like um, any bad feedback. So I, uh, so I, I, I can birth things into reality like, creatively, like in that sense. And yeah, so that's sort of like a wee introduction about me. So. No, I love that. When you say craft things like, like dream and like interpretations of dreams, like what do you mean? No, exactly no, that? maybe that probably wasn't the best description of but um, so I craft things out of clay. I make okay. Um, um mostly what's popular is like the the kayak dolls that i make um and but i believe not like familiar with the, the kayak she is like um so within scottish legend she is like the protected the spirit of winter she's very or, or she's she's connected with the landscapes within scottish highlands so they're quite popular um and then i have people saying oh can you make me a charm for this um, and i'll commission that um, or even like, like wee dolls like that are like um, based on fae or themes within Scottish mythology, like mythology and legend. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm a bit of a arts and crafts sort of person as well. Oh, I love that. I think we share a couple of overlaps in some of what we do, Ash, in terms of like creating charms, creating talismans and, and you know, objects, um, spirit houses, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, except, you know, our, our practices probably look quite different and mm -hmm. we're on opposite parts of the world. But um, where where is it in Edinburgh? Where is that at? It's Scotland, so, right? Edinburgh is classed as like the lowlands. So you've got like in, in Scotland, you've got the highlands. And then you've got like the lowlands, which is like of the borders. I'm currently in the borders at the moment and um, visiting a friend. Um, but yeah, and so Edinburgh is like pretty much central on the, the Firth of the Fourth. Um, so it's like the gateway into the Highlands, I think. But it's 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 the main capital of um, Scotland. Gorgeous, gorgeous, and and um, I'm sure it being the the land that is steeped in a lot of lore there's a lot of very interesting history there lots to study lots of cultural nuance lots of um i know me and you have chatted personally about it before but like a tumultuous history with england um a it's just very interesting to like see all of this kind of play out uh together so I, I think it's really really exciting to have you on and chat for a little bit about your book and about mm -hmm. history and and things like that oh I like that's one thing as well I'm a, a big like history geek so <laughs> another part of myself I love learning about history um I find it fascinating I feel like a lot of times the more I learn about history the more I feel like it creates a support system for what I recognize in modernity today so many of the things we do not even just in witchcraft but in regular life they have a complete background that most of us don't know that led to the way things are today mm -hmm. so I literally just did something about apotropaic charms on, on on my content talking about the fact that usually the majority of them were to protect against mystical nefarious influences not necessarily being mugged so yeah. <laughs> like you have to start really thinking about where the history comes from that that makes the thing that we're practicing today oh it's like the the, the backbone of our own community yes how, what shapes the culture of today um specifically in my area like you, you only have to turn a corner and know someone knows a spooky story like what happened there or some kind of folklore. So it's it's interesting. And the best result is getting in, involved in your own community, you know, asking questions, your locals, your neighbors, because they've got stories that are passed on, things like, that are not even recorded in books. So it's really good to connect with your community. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like that's what cutting folk were doing in the past. Like they were, um, you know, they were fundamentally important characters within you know, village life or um, your own community because you know a lot of people didn't couldn't afford a doctor so or didn't know what the illness was and they would turn to the local wise one um but yeah like that's another thing of me that's passionate is is community um and creating community links like i also get involved in like um you know garden projects where like you know we there's spaces where communal space where everyone can like take part and grow in 
um, veg and then you, when when it comes to harvest time that you you know it's free like you can you can take what you want because you've put into it so i'm very into like um ethical growing um community projects um so yeah i'm a bit of a radical <laughs> no i love that my mom's been dating this guy recently who is trying to build a, he's retired but he has small little odd jobs that he does and he has a band that he plays in my mom's dating a, a guy in a band and he's mm -hmm. drawing an intentional living community where he's building small or tiny houses on his plot of land and he wants to have a space that people are growing food there's a farm next door that has like all these baby goats and chickens and and uh they're kind of like building this type of of smaller community and i love that yeah like sustainable like so uh, sustainability like yes. sustainable like self-efficient like living i'm all into that like eventually like i'd love to get my own patch of land have my little eco house and you know live off the grid well not, not completely off the grid but you know obviously i don't think certain resources that i just could go out but yeah like um off the grid as, as much as I can and self-sufficient. Um, and that's something I, I aim to do like in my old age. <laughs> very, yeah, very anarchaic, very mm -hmm. anarchaic. I, you, you grew up and you, you had this um, background, I think that perhaps maybe shapes a lot of us towards that anarchaic, lifestyle that we lead ash mm -hmm. what was your what was your upbringing like what was your childhood what's your childhood trauma what what was that like, like trauma you? oh god there's loads <laughs> we'll be here all day that's probably why i'm so mad um but no um so my upbringing um was quite opposite actually my i don't i still think like i mean my dad passed away a couple of years ago and my mom and my dad are complete opposites. And I still think like how they stay together, like to the day he's death, like, I don't know. Cause you've got my dad, that's the ex hippie. Um, so he's the one that's responsible for showing me how to like grow stuff to recognize what plants are, which like, like I remember when I was young, we'd go on like nature trails all the time. We'd, like, we'd take the dogs for the walk into nature trails and our local reserves. And it'd be like that tree there, her name's Willow and, and his name's Oak. So I, I was brought up with that. And then I've got my mum's side, which is like like Catholic and Irish. Um, and having um kind of a spooky Catholicism about them, uh, you know, using star like like we, we today with the works of people like Gemma Gary and have really highlighted them, you know, practices like the the route between religion and magic like there's no separation really like I think you can find folk magic in in all religions so within my mum's side of the family um yeah they were using Catholicism at the for their own means like so if my 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 nan like my grandma like if she didn't like someone she would turn to the Psalms like but then she would like she would say to me oh no no it's not good to do this like it's not godly but when she was really pissed off oh god didn't like it wasn't in the the mix at that time <laughs> so we can't be really godly every day <laughs> yeah she's like it's, no and then obviously turned into the sound box so Psalm it's like when you right it's like when you say 109 and you're like oh but god bless them yeah yes yes it's like i fucking hate her but god bless <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Curse, cursing 
laying out a good generational curse, you know, cursing your children mm. and your children's children, but then right afterwards being like, oh, but God bless them. Yeah, like hope nothing too bad happens to them with a little smug. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like the bless your heart here in, in the South. Like, so that's like, like, we, we will, oh. we will have like a total insult and we'll finish it with bless your heart. You poor yeah. pathetic thing. <laughs> it probably where it stems from, to be fair. Probably. Oh, but yeah, so that's my upbringing. Um, so I had like my mum's side, which is like um Irish, Irish, and very into like Catholicism. They got my dad, that's very liberal, ex hippie. Um, so I, I think I'm the byproduct of both of them because I have my um, you know, my folk magic side, and it's very prominently. Well, it's 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 not like I, I'm an animist, so um, if I'm working with certain spirits. It really depends on where their roots are and not where my roots. So, you know, it's 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 good to work with spirits what they're familiar with. I'm not religious, um, so I don't take um, my practices in any kind of religious context. However, I'm not like um, afraid to use um, Psalms or um, a lot of Catholicism, saint worship, um, veneration. Uh, and then I've got my dad's side, which is like, I'm very hippie, I'm very into self, like, sustainability and self-efficiency. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a byproduct of both of them, I think. <laughs> I love how you said um, your dad was teaching you the names of the trees. This is willow. This is oak. Mm-hmm. It's not, this tree is called a willow. This mm-hmm. tree is called an oak. It, that's just their names. Yeah. I thought that He's was very kind interesting. Of like weirdly had a his own sort of animistic ways to seeing things. Like when he used to grow his veg, he would sing to them or he would have the radio playing and singing to them. And he always said, the more you talk to them, the better they grow. Like, and that, like, that is animistic in itself. It's seeing them as more than just an, an, you know, an object, a plant. They, they're living, they have feelings. They, they can understand that, you know, a connection with them. So yeah, like I was brought up with like that wackiness, but, is that wickedness that that is dear to my heart? Like, so. I sing to my garden every time I water it. Why? It's important. Like, I mean, it's been proven now, like with science, you know, low vibration, high vibration. They really do react to it. Um, I remember like um, seeing a, a documentary and they did an experiment of two plants, one that was constantly showered up, like, and abuse, and one that was complimented. And the one that was complimented grew faster and more healthier than the one that was being shown in abuse. <laughs> and there was like, it was quite funny because the latch frightened it with a knife and stuff. <laughs> and they were reacting. And even like on the, the scale, like um, they were reacting to them. So it's, it's proven, you know, everything's living, have, everything has a spirit, a personality, um, and probably a name. So <laughs> I think. Uh everything has a name and sometimes everything has many names mm-hmm. um yeah and old names um that's really really interesting yeah i definitely think it's important for people to i don't i don't quite understand non animistic practices they seem really trivial to me so i don't i didn't grow up animist or in an animistic environment and most people in America don't I would say the majority Mm -hmm. and and that's coming from like a very like 
waspy, like white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, even modern evangelical Christian perspective is there's like this, mm-hmm. you know, we don't grow up that way. But even kind of like getting back into it or not getting back into it, just being a part of it now, it just seems like I don't quite understand how you can't be. Um, but I'm sure people who don't have an animistic perspective would say the same thing like oh I don't understand how you could think that a rock has has consciousness and I'm like uh well you know there's there's scientific I I don't want to say like certain evidence um but there is concepts in science that are like you know objects have memory and Mm -hmm. and um everything you know is interconnected in some way now this is that's a very like hypothetical scientific model but regardless I'm not I'm not a scientist and I'm not here to shout science at people but when you were a kid would you say like growing up with your grandmother and like hearing the psalms or learning plant names with your with your dad would you say that was like your first exposure to magic did you ever have like a clear like oh that is magic or was it just always Um. something that you kind of grew up with no, I, I mean, I, I, back then, at a young age, I wouldn't have, like, recognised that as magic. Um, and in fact, like, especially on my mum's my side, which is, like, has a massive influence in my, my grown-up, um, you know, I think if you call my gran a witch or implied that she was doing magic, you would get a, a clout around the face. <laughs> She'd be like, <laughs> don't ever say that. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't really recognize it as magic. It's only until like later on in my years and going through the motions. Because I, I mean, I think I got into magic as, as most people were in the nineties through the stems of modern Wicca or modern witchcraft. Um, and then like later on the years, um, you know, going into more folkloric witchcraft. And it's seen through folkloric witchcraft. And because back, back in the nineties, like it, there was a lot of like, Christian bashing in like books so it's like Christians are wrong the burning times and all that and all that propaganda mm-hmm. um and it's only till recently within folklore folklore like witchcraft and magic um that they are recognizing that this is okay it's it's it, it, it's okay if not like you know folk magic ro- like roles in the realms of Christianity or other religions um, and we see that, like, we know through cunning folk, like, you know, they, they're using Christian ethology, like, um, ethology through their charms. Um, but yeah, like, um, it's only till now that I realise that, yeah, like, what the things that my my dad believed in, it's clearly animism. Uh, what my my gran is doing is is clearly folk magic. It's just that there was no terms for them like we do today we term things we like I think us as humans we like to box things anyway and put a term on them so like looking back now yeah that totally like I can see the connection there but we just we just didn't term it like as folk magic or animism they just acted that way you know it's interesting my grandma used to do these things that I didn't think about as being folk practices mm-hmm. whatsoever like I got a splinter she lived on some land she grew lots of vegetables tons of herbs she had a greenhouse she raised Yorkies like five and five generations in a row I had no idea how much I had in common with her she passed away when I was in first grade so um like I got a splinter once and her cure was to put a piece of raw bacon over it and put a band-aid on top because the mm-hmm. impure meat and I didn't 
draw the the connection, but the impure meat, because bacon's from a pig, would pull mm-hmm. out the impurity in the skin. And yep. funny enough, as it kind of shriveled, it, it slowly kind of worked its way out. And then they were able to get it with the splint the splinter out with some uh, tweezers the next day. Um, but it never occurred to me the types of things they kept kept chickens. So there were some different things that she would do with eggs sometimes. And um, there was just something about like the way that she practiced her life living off of the land that she cultivated. It was a very different type of lifestyle than what I was used to, especially living in the city. Oh, like totally. Like, I mean, it's, it's my conversations like with my aunt who remembers a lot more things that my grand did than my mom does because there's a massive age gap where I think there's like 10 years gap between my mom and my aunt um so I have conversations there and even when she's talking about things I'm like well that that's what we would call this folk magic and goes into model and I'll try and explain to her and she's like huh I didn't think of it that way it's just something we did like she she still does things like she loses things she says Jesus lost it Jesus found it or said Anthony lost it, and Anthony found it. Depends, like, some of my family say St. Anthony, my aunt, my aunt says Jesus found it, Jesus lost it. And that is something you say when you've, you want to find the things that you lost. And she's like, it always works. Like, is your aunt, I love it. Oh, is your aunt side Protestant? No, Catholic. Oh, that she's Catholic, Catholic too. I was yeah. only asking because usually I find the removal of saints and putting an emphasis on Jesus. I mean, of course, it happens in Catholicism too, mm-hmm. but I find usually Protestants because everybody's a saint in Protestantism. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're, as long as you're a Christian, you're considered a saint. Um, so I find the removal of saints and the emphasis on Jesus to be a much more like Protestant thing Mm -hmm. and I know like I talk a lot on um this is mostly for people who hear me talk a lot of like shit on waspy evangelical Christians but there's still magic in Protestantism it just it's just in like modern evangelical America is where it kind of gets removed but there's still Mm -hmm. like lots of folk magic um that happens in Protestant uh religions I think one of the the issues that we see in America particularly, which um, I'd like to expand more upon at a later time, but I think what happens when you start seeing like the removal of folk magic and the emphasis on evangelical Christianity is typically a byproduct of uh, colonization, but like in internal colonization from mm-hmm. from an American perspective. And what what happens is and I, I talk a little bit about this and I, I don't have enough research to like officially say if this is true or not, but what happens a lot is, you know, our grandparents in America, at least, you know, we have um, subgroups of people who at one point in time would have not been considered like white American families. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah. And that's, that's saying, um, uh, Irish, um, Italian people and things like that. And what happens over time is the colonizing force that is whiteness kind of um, uh, adopts these groups, but Mm -hmm. only if those groups assimilate. And what typically happens in a capitalistic society is that, or, you know, our capitalistic society is that it basically is like, you have to assimilate and you need to go to college and you need to make more money, but you also need to lose all of your folksy, like get rid of your, your, 
get rid of your language, get rid of your cultural background, and then assimilate to white American culture, which um, is typically what happens when we see a lot of like first generational people who like it's our first, you know, and this is typically going to be your grandparents, Mm -hmm. or even in some cases, your parents, but this is what happens when like, oh, yeah, my grandmother, she she lived in Appalachia or something like that. And then but she was the first person in her, her family to go to college. And mm-hmm. that's when you start seeing the shift to like remove these folk practices a lot of the times, and then you start adopting, um, you know, you, you lose that like folksy part of yourself, I guess. And, and that's where you start to see the removal of a lot of those folk magical practices, at least in America. I can't speak on anywhere else. And um that was just a side tangent. Sorry, y'all. I just like, no, I'm no, really, no, but I'm really like, passionate about that. Yeah, like, no, it ties in nicely. And then when you were coming about, like, um, Jesus, like, parts of my family, I think I remember my grand saying, St. Anthony lost it, St. Anthony found it. And then it's not until like, my, my aunt, who's also, like, Catholic, but then she's not devout. So um, I think it's the, because, like, my, my grand is Irish. She's moving to an area that's predominantly um, Protestant. Uh, still like stigma against the Irish in that area uh, so it's like it's more of an embarrassment like it's self-embarrassment so I think like the change from like St Anthony to Jesus is made because of embarrassment of how people are making you like my family feel because they're Catholics um, but yeah like totally like um, like I didn't know my gran like my my grandparents spoke Gwega, um Irish Gal- uh, Gaelic um, until like like I saw their their census, their birth certificate, and it says E and G, denoting like the language. So E being English, G being um, Gaelic. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know they could speak it. Like they they never spoke it in front of me. Not even a single thing. And again, like you were saying, that's because you know uh, for a long time amongst Brit in Britain, you know, speaking Gaelic was seen as something not proper to do and if you want to like um you know go somewhere in life you have to speak English and you can't you've got to abandon Gaelic because um it's it's seen as like um primitive you're, was you're, it a, was it ever illegal to speak Gaelic at one point in time yeah like night parts of, as much um I don't know about England but definitely um in Scotland there was the certain um, acts that you you couldn't speak um, Gaelic, uh, same as the Welsh. And there was like, there was cruel um, methods used in, in schools where if a child was seen speaking Gaelic or in Welsh, uh, they had to wear this whole, this heavy plank of wood um, to humiliate them. And they had to wear it until they heard someone else speaking Gaelic and that plank of wood would go on to that person, but that, that young child then so there was like so it's not just like um laws but there's like cruel methods within like primary schools like inc- like getting them while they're young basically to stop speaking the language and encourage them to start speaking english within the home and it, it, it's it's again it's that it's colonialization of of men, you know minority cultures you know and it, it's becoming it's 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 that way of um, conform or don't be successful. We like, have we have similar practices. They were definitely more um, physical. 
uh, back in the day, but particularly like in the South. And uh, yeah, when when segregation was, um, I don't want to say legal in terms that it still isn't, but when segregation was much more heavily emphasized as opposed to um, the very subjective, very uh, subversive ways that it still is, um, it, it, they, they had similar methods that were much more physical. And now we, mm-hmm. we do, uh, in the American education system, there are similar things. They're just shown differently. Yeah. They, they present themselves very differently, um, especially when it comes to um, uh, cultural languages and things like that, uh, and they English that with, vernacular. They did that with um, lefties as well. They would literally like swat your hand if you wrote with your left hand. My Nana's lefty and she mm-hmm. she was, they, they used to do this thing where they would make her try to write and do everything with her right. But it was, and, and her parents didn't try to uphold that. Her dad was a doctor luckily. So he kind of held up the idea that this was natural and he mm-hmm. kind of gave a talking to the school, but like she wanted to learn how to knit because that's what her mother did. But her mom didn't know how to teach her because she was a right-handed. So she had to go to the neighbor who was lucky enough to also be left-handed. Mm-hmm. But as she told me stories how the teacher would literally have a switch that they would swat the hand if they saw you writing with the wrong one. I, that happened here. Like I remember my grand saying, like my great grand, um, my grand telling me that her mother, she was a lefty and would be, would be caned for yeah. loose, like really bad using the left hand because it it's seen as like that well like today I mean the left hand half like it's seen as sinister it's it's dark it's 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 evil. I was left-handed as a kid. Really? Yeah. Did you I get was... hit with a cane? No, <laughs> but my grandfather taught like taught me to write with my right hand, and mm-hmm. so I'm naturally left-handed there's a lot of like things that I do with my left hand naturally but um I can only like I could never write with my left hand I can only write with my right and Mm -hmm. I'm right hand dominant now but there are just like these weird like things that I do instinctively with my left hand it's just it's very interesting I'm ambidextrous like um like I can do things with both my hands um, I can't so much, I can, st- I can write in my left as like my dominant is right, my right hand. I can write in my left a wee bit, but more, I'm more dominant in my, my, um, my right, but I can, uh, yeah, I'm ambidextrous. I can, I can use both hands. <laughs> Are you telling me you're a switch hitter? <laughs> well, darling, <laughs> gifted in many other ways. <laughs> okay. So why, do, now that we've gotten down into the depths of, of, of your childhood and your life, I would like to know more about the book you wrote. You wrote a book about Isabel Gowdy. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Isabel? All right. So, I mean, first of all, I'll start with my interest in Isabel. Like, um, I'm sure, like, she's a, an interest in many people, and and rightly so, um, because of the so like she's she's so fam- what makes her her case so unusual is that like you see through like confessions and like witch trials is this generic thing did you go with the devil you went to the sabbath did this had a familiar and you have them themes of isabel gody the only thing that's different sorry it's my friend's dog um the only thing that you see is different that she's actually giving juicy information about folk magic so she's talking about charms like she's actually and you can see the like the the um the it, you know the people that are um 
in oh, trying to get my tongue out. The people who are extracting these confessions from her, they're not interested in the charm she's saying because they they're trying to divert her about the, the you know the malefica, like the, the the baneful side of stuff, like the devil. But she's just saying the charms anyway. <laughs> so she's like, oh, and I did this, and there was a charm for this, and she that, and they're like, and you can see they're like, okay, right, we'll we'll record that, but we want to know more what you did with the devil. Like, you know, um, so I think she's like, I think at this point she knew her fate and she's like, fuck it, I'm going to tell them all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm already going to die. So if I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it all. Like, and also she, you've got like, um, I think she was like probably a natural storyteller as well. Like, I think some of the stuff, like, I mean, some of it part true, but the other stuff, I think she's, she's making up to cause like, um, you know for like shock value <laughs> like yes. she's like i had sex with the devil and he and do you know what his semen was cold as like well were like <laughs> so i think like and it's you see it a lot i mean the parts of the highlands where she's from like the bardic tradition is quite strong so although you'd be like quite busy in your task in your your daily work you know it's by the half fires that you're telling stories and you're, you're you're telling poems and and songs so i think within like her the place where she's from that the, the sort of class that she like um working class like you it's natural within these societies like bardic tradition is is rife like and with that you 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 know you have people that um you know a a song um, at storytellers and people who do magical stuff like Isabel Gody. Um, yeah, and they're all important part of your 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 community. So, but yeah. <laughs> that's, and she, that's, she was a tried and convicted witch in 1662. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. She was fri- um, tried and found guilty. We don't know like her fate. Um, it wasn't certain, um, but within her area like it was quite common she would have been strangled and burnt on um gallows hill uh, in Nairn. so that's i've heard that it's um a lot of the times they didn't record a lot of this stuff because it at that point it was just like whatever you know yeah. it was like there's no point in wasting the paper wasting the ink mm-hmm. wasting the time to i mean she's already dead i um yeah. i want to get a little bit more background history on Isabel for those who aren't familiar with her okay Mm -hmm. so Isabel Gowdy um Scottish witch right um she is so important because she has shaped the witch folklore um Mm -hmm. in such a way that I think we don't we don't even quite realize how much of it she's shaped Mm -hmm. um until you start reading the confessions and I know you brought this up a little bit but I think it's very interesting she wasn't tried like she wasn't tortured um in any of her confessions she she was giving this information very willingly I agree with you I think she's very um very into storytelling Mm -hmm. um but could you could you shape Isabel from what you know about her a little bit more? I know there's not that much information, but we do mm-hmm. know she was married. Um, mm-hmm. She was a is it called a Cotter's wife? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So like what what is what is really. that? Okay. Like it's the same as being a farmer's wife, really. But yeah. 
Um, so could you tell us more a little bit about Isabel, about her background and also how you became so enamored with her and if there were any like mystical experiences um, surrounding her that inspired you to write the book? I, well, there's been a quite a few, like, I mean, to, to start it off, like, the, my interest in Isabel Godi actually goes, like, almost a decade away, um, where she seems to be quite prominent in my life, and she's propping up, and I read a lot about her. Um, I was 18, um, so, yeah, well, more than a decade. Um, that makes me sound old. But, yeah, like, um, so the more I'm studying about her, um, she's appearing to me in dreams when I'm 18, and... Um, in one of the dreams she's like basically saying hey like if I could be your mentor like um and we can have a connection together we just we need to establish that um so that goes on to like then like a ritual that I do and cause like create a bond with her um and then from then from then on like if I'm if there's a spell that I want to do and it instantly comes in my head that spark of information I believe, like, I, well, I don't believe, I know it's her that's, like, planting it, that seed, and, like, do this. Like, that will work. Like, Love that. Yeah, and it's, like, and it's, like, we, I mean, of course, like, I have familiars that I work with um, and various spirits, but, um, and, and that's what's most popular. People think about, like, the fae or um, a familiar spirit from the deep, like, the deal or the devil. Um, but also what it, it's quite historical as well, especially within Scotland, that witches or cunning folk were actually working with other dead cunning folk. Like the case, um, there's a case of um, Bessie Dunlop and she's from like an area of, it's Ayrshire in um, Scotland. And she had a familiar spirit called Thomas Reed. And he's not like, it's quite clear, he's not a fairy. He's not from the devil. Like he is, uh, he actually tells her that he she, he's a spirit that died at the the um, war of um, what's the war? I can't remember, but some war long ago. Uh, but he's he's the one that's the source of like feeding her spells and recipes as a spirit. So we can see now, like like Cunning Fair were doing this as well. Like what I'm doing now with Isabel Godi in that relationship is that you're working with a dead magician or um cutting folk or um witch as you like to call it as being a medium of like giving you like giving you juicy recipes about things guiding your hand and being that aid within active aid in your 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 magical work so yeah I think I went on a bit of a tangent but um no I loved yeah, it so, that was very informative I am um, so as a context like we again like as Austin said there's not much we, we do know about Isabel Godi's life um, other than yeah, she was she was a farmer's um, wife. Um, she lived in what was called a farm town, so a farm town, a small uh, farming community. Um, they would be a next step after being like um, the lowest of the class of the classes, um, which I hate, but that's the reality of like history in the, back in the day. Um, but we also, I also know um, in my my study, and this is where my academia side comes in my head, um, so that we know that she most likely would have been a wise woman and not a charmer. Because there's several, like, like within academia, they make uh, distinctions of, of different 
magical practitioners like being a psychic, a, a seer, a, a charmer, or a, um, you know, a wise woman. And a wise woman like has more of a repertoire of magic than say a charmer. So a charmer could only like probably knows only a few little charms, and they like most of the time they had a specific niche. So like one charm and just gets rid of warts. One charms like snake bite. Um, so we. But with Isabel Gody, and yes, she is relaying charms of healing, but A, there's too many charms about healing to be a charmer, where charmer only has like a selective repertoire. And also she's putting charms that go outside the, the realms of being a charmer. So stuff like selling commodities, you know, um, connecting with a fae, um, laming people. Like we, we can see that quite, quite possibly she is a, a wise woman. Um, and also I think she's she's been caught up in all this like we don't even know how she got there as well because we can only assume that a lot of these people that get um, you know um, accused under the witchcraft act and prosecuted is through you know someone else like oh I saw her lame my horse like so we but we don't know any kind of like the back town story of how she how she got there but she wouldn't have willingly um, I mean they said like like um, she willingly no torture was um, involved but um, other things that would be implemented like um, sleep deprivation and um, starvation um, would have been involved in that um, but yeah like we, we we don't know how she's got there like but we can only assume that some zealous like some bad customer <laughs> like someone that like she's you know their charm maybe that charm in this case didn't work and she like you know they they've got beef with her and then now she's become a witch, like the, the bumper off. I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was reading your book and there's a huge section that is just specifically transcripts of the confessions, which I found fascinating because I saw mm -hmm. so many different aspects of historical, uh, uh, what I want, what I assume are precedents being made that then they would use in later questions for the next century or so when, when, when questioning witches or presumed accused witches during witch trials. And I noticed when they talked about, this is what was very interesting to me is in, in other transcripts and stuff, they're like pulling teeth to get them to name other people and mm -hmm. she's just like oh no let me tell you all about this person and yeah and janet and over here and i'm just like oh wow she's just kind of giving it all away she's ruthless. <laughs> like, like, she's like it makes me kind I'll of wonder the reality of the situation what's really going on was she friends with these people were they enemies were they really truly an honest to god like honest to god or honest to the devil coven but like what's going on there i wonder were these people already accused do we even know that well I, I mean we don't know i mean she must have known of these people had some kind of involvement in the people that she's she's laying claim to to know mm -hmm. their names and to 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 openly say oh they're a witch they're a witch um we don't like the only other confession is you've got janet um janet's involved as well Yes, but she's she not like very. Yeah, she cooperates, and she there's a, a similar, like very similar theme what Isabel's saying. But the only thing different, she doesn't really give anything juicy as regards to charms or anything like that. She's just relaying the activities of the devil, which is really what the inquisitors want. They just want to hear about Maleficent, like the, the the you know the demonic side, so they can convict her, um, kill her, and have her off, and that, and it's done with. 
and they can be like, oh, like, how good are we? We got rid of another, like, evil is cast out of our, like, town. Um, so, but we we don't know about the others, like, really. Um, or even if they were convicted. Like, the, the rest of the people that she's made claim into, there's no other confessions, separate confessions to them. So we don't know if the rest that she's, like, sort of name-dropping um, were, were convicted either. So... It's this this gaps like I think there's probably um because when like we hear about the, the confessions there's um Pitcairn like so, I can't remember his first name but his surname was Pitcairn and he published a book in the Victorian era the 18, early 1800s of and all the transcripts of which confessions so we don't like when he first like and um, transcribed um, Isabel's confessions we don't know like if there was more to it and it just got lost um but i mean if she's name dropping most of the case that they would be convicted as well like so or the case of pendle or um north berwick you know whoever's been mentioned is therefore part of the crime as well so i would say yes um we don't know if the others were like charmers or any kind of magical specialist either um but we know for certain that she is definitely i think from the context of her confessions that she's definitely like a cutting woman. These are the first like lot like real trial transcripts that I've ever personally like read questioner to answer questioner to answer. It was very fascinating to read. I was grateful for that you actually put, you put in several translations for Scott old Scottish words that I did not know the meanings for. Um, yeah. But yes, there was a whole section where she's giving different types of charms that she did to lame someone, to kill someone, to make something sick, and then she started going into healing charms and think charms that would helpful. And it was so funny because all of them were very Catholic or they were very God or Jesus or mm -hmm. Saint based. And it was so funny because you saw, you saw them basically be like, no, no, we don't want any of that. We don't need any yeah, of- We don't want to hear about this. Like, we don't hear we any of this. We want to hear only about the devil. And it was like, mm -hmm. that was very telling right there because that's something they don't at, at the time didn't truly care about unless mm -hmm. it connected you to the devil. I think that's, um, it's interesting you point that out because I think where that comes from is because like, so Scotland's time is still separate. There's no union, uh, there's no United Kingdom. So Scotland is its own um, independent country from England. England has their own different acts of witch witchcraft acts and conjurations than Scotland. So in England, they actually show you a, they, the difference between beneficial magic and witchcraft. And most of the time, if you were convicted of using sorcery, um, you, in England, you wouldn't be prosecuted. That wouldn't be a death sentence. You'd probably be put in just the pillory for a, a couple of days. Um, Can you tell us the what the pillory is? It's the, the stocks. So you'd be put in the stocks for a, a few days and people would lob um, root fruit at you and stuff. And, like and those those things that you see at the amusement parks where you yeah, stick your head shots. and your your mm -hmm. your wrists in just so everyone who can't yeah. see us me and Marshall are just <laughs> sitting here like doing this um yes. uh, yeah and then you and, and then nowadays like I'm gonna put this down nowadays you can go places right there and they'll have them up and you can get a, a souvenir photo with your whole family oh. I think they they like now we enjoy that as something to laugh, but I don't think back then it would be something you want to really avoid doing. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, Unless, of course, but, you like a rotten salad. Oh, 
Yeah, like, hmm, that's what I fancy to eat today. <laughs> See if I can catch it into my mouth. Um, but yeah, like, so basically in Scotland, there's no distinction. So magic alone is punishable by death under the witchcraft acts. Whereas in, in England, there's a distinction and you can, you not necessarily could be convicted of death if you're a country, like you're meddling with magic and divination. There's other minor. But in, in, in Scotland, there's no, there's no distinction in their laws, in their laws. So like, I think Isabel Godey, she's, because of that way of thinking, that Calvinist way of thinking, like magic alone is still the devil, whether it's beneficial to your neighbors or not, whether it's your heal, using magic to heal and lame, it is still just as bad, like in the eyes of Calvinism, um, which uh, at this time, you know, most of Scotland are Calvinist uh, Protestants. Um, so I think the reason why she's saying all this stuff is because she she's associating that with the devil. Um, and and it, it, this is where lines get blurred here, like with the devil and, and Christianity, um, because, you know, we like to think and a lot of academics, you know, say, oh, they just work beneficial magic and they, they counteracted witches spells, which they did. But they also used like malefic, like baneful magic themselves on the other counts, you just have to be hush hush about it. Like you can, the person you're working it for cannot be telling other folks that they're doing this stuff because, you know, harmful magic is is the gateway to death <laughs> and being under the witchcraft. Um, so I think she's, she helped the way of thinking is like all magic is sort of evil in a sense. Um, but then I suppose within her community, not they're not viewing it as that because I think they're still old holding on to old beliefs way before the Reformation. Um, and you can see animism coming in into play here. Like I don't think like they could stamp it out them sort of beliefs. Like you can stamp out the method, you can't just you can't stamp out the human belief. Like if you know what I mean. Like you can you can be told and tortured to not believe in something, but you're still believing it. If you know what I mean, you just like, but you can be stopped working physical things, but you still believe in these beliefs. And I think um, with her and her community is very animistic. And I think there would, it would have been witnessed, um, you know, customs as like the devil's plantation and, um, you know, parts of the field left untamed, um, uncultivated for the devil, because, you know, they're the one, the devil, um, or even the folk devil as well, like, they could be responsible for your the wrecking of your crops so you need to appease the devil as well as like be scared of him like so the 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 lines get blurred whether you're a christian or not within these communities like isabel gurdy is living in so yeah it's 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 quite tricky this is (laughs) after king james uh uh mary queen of scott's son who Mm -hmm. i believe i'm just looking him up real quick he died in 16 25 and we're talking mm-hmm. about 1662 and I remember king yeah. james was really hugely responsible for anti-witchcraft everything anti-sorcery everything so it's very interesting to see that that kind of made its way through scotland after the um passing well mm-hmm. like i guess like 25 or 30 years later or a little more than 30 years later uh that it's still kind of working its way through society that's really interesting oh and like for it's very impressional. Like, if the king is believing in this, then everyone should believe in it. Like, you know, like everyone should be scared of uh, um, the head of the church. 
yeah, the head of the church, the, everyone should be scared of witches. And that's where paranoia and hysteria comes into play. Because if they, like, I mean, he wrote a book about it, like about witchcraft called Demonology, um, mm-hmm. King James. Yeah, James um, would be very influential to what we would eventually know as like anti-witchcraft movements. So mm-hmm. um, I believe he was king of Scotland, right? No, I think he well, he became both. took over for Elizabeth and he became did. king of both after so her So he death. was king at James the fourth, and then he became King James the first when he married into I don't know I not a not that part of history that I'm super familiar with. No, no, with. no, you you're you're right. Like so, when he when they met, like he takes over because there's no heir. Elizabeth doesn't give an heir, right? So it goes on to the next possible. Um, line within the Stuart line so that would be no Queen uh, Scots like uh, son uh, James so he she he becomes James the first in England but James the sixth in Scotland and and this is like predominantly in like history because now it's causing the union the first union of the crowns not so like the the union of the the countries but definitely of the crown um so that that's that's important there because then now he's paranoid beliefs are then spread not in just Scotland now but into England and spreading them paranoia and hysteria and that spikes and second like hysteria into a witch hunting and stuff so he writes um, demonology and then that's he's very paranoid of witches he um it, it was rumored that witches um you know, cast, they drown a dead cat, or I'm sorry, they drown a cat in, mm-hmm. um, in the ocean to raise a storm to thwart his boat, or his mm-hmm. ship that he was, he was riding on um, with his wife, um, mm-hmm. Queen, I forget her name. Um, I think it might be Anne. Yeah, she's from Oslo. Um, yes, yes, and they had to stop for a bit. Uh, they stayed in Oslo, or they they stayed somewhere for a, a while, um, mm-hmm. and then you know he continues on with this like witch paranoia. But the witch who is accused actually like you know I think as I've read it, he mm-hmm. was very skeptical of the witch, which I can't remember her name, but there was a witch who was accused and was brought to his attention. It's like, this is the person who, you know, who's trying to kill you. And he's like, oh, whatever, I don't really believe it. But then she starts telling him things that like she yeah. couldn't possibly know. And it's yeah. documented that she knows these things about him. And that's when he's like, oh, she's like, yeah. she's the real deal. I, Agnes Sampson. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so like, he, he's not really bothered. I mean, that's what starts his paranoia because he's coming back from his marriage in Oslo with his new queen. And he, essentially, they almost died through a shipwreck. So when he comes back, there's, there's a rumour that it was actually witches causing this storm to try and kill the king. Um, and he doesn't believe it at first, but until like a servant girl, Gilly, who I actually used to live in this town and a place called Trenent, it's like, yeah, I know the people that have been doing it. And so she starts spreading around and they're like, um, they're obviously being, you know, they have to take this seriously. So they, they go to the Privy Council um, and the, this time, like, I mean, the royalty doesn't really get normally into a court case like this, it's beyond them. Uh, but because it's an act against him, he has to be present. He doesn't believe it. And Agnes Sampson goes, 
I can tell you what I, you said to your woman, like your wife on, in the, your first day in your men, marriage bed. And then she whispers into his ear and he's like, burn her. <laughs> like like this, she couldn't possibly known what a, he had spoke to her in like their marriage or bed. Like, um, but yeah, and Agnes Sampson as well, before she's convicted, like there's records that she was, she's the wise woman of Keith. Um, and the same as like uh, Dr. 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 Fian, he's a sorcerer. Like there's stories about him trying to seduce a school, because he's a school teacher, um, and he's trying to seduce like a school teacher's, um, like one of his pupils like uh, sisters or something. And he's trying to like, couldn't he say, I'll, I'll take this charm and just put it in your sister's bed and like to, to enchant the love. So there's, there's that before his trial. So we know that them two characters who in North Berwick witch trials, like they're definitely um, magic, magic users specialists. And um, North Berwick is known as like the Salem of Scotland because that's where it really like starts to spread through Scotland and that hysteria. And for people that don't know, the King James we're talking about literally was the progenitor of what we know today as the King James Bible. And yeah. from what I understand, I think that was the first time that it was written. And I could be wrong on this, where it was changed. The language was slightly changed in the thou shall not suffer a witch to live to yeah. the word witch. Yeah, he's responsible for that. He's responsible for that. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. A little piece of history. I love it. And when oh. you start looking at it, because English, um, James, did he write the first english bible um he was responsible for a new translation of it yeah it was a new translation mm. okay and i english. think there was other translations before that but they're mostly in latin so but i think there is other english translations before him but he's doing like an up-to-date sort of version of the bible in english right which is interesting because i think besides i think there's the nnvj that we use often, but King James is probably, I usually use the King James mm -hmm. version whenever I'm, I'm picking through things. And when you look at the translations in different Bibles, they're usually similar, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are some slight vari variances. So it's very, very interesting um, when you start seeing the differentiation in text, but yeah, I do, mm. I do remember, like, I, I remember him being so influential in the fact that he, I'm sure there was other English translations before, but I think mm. he was very like, that was the Bible to start yeah. using that was in English as opposed yeah. to Bibles in um, Latin and probably Greek as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's very interesting. So can you maybe relay, because I know we talked a little bit about Isabel. Um, firstly, can, can you correctly say, because I've heard it pronounced very English, or not very English, but very American, like Isabel, and then, mm -hmm. but that's not how the name is spelled. So could you correct me if it's, is it Isabel? Or is it, how would you say Isabel Gaudi? Well, it's, um, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's all a part of dialect and um, Scots, like the language Scots. So in, in, it would be Isabel Gaudi, Isabel Gaudi. Okay. But I, I say Isabel Gaudi, um, but you, you can say it both. I mean, I think she would, within her community, it would have been pronounced as Isabel okay. and Gaudi. 
so I'm wondering, so we we talked a little bit about how Isabel, um, when she was kind of performing more Malefica, she makes a lot of references to the devil. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, when she's trying to do like good, good, goodly Christian things, she, you know, then she'll speak about God mm -hmm. in the very, the very famous chant, um, I shall go into a hair and I shall go into the devil's name. That's a very abbreviated version of that mm -hmm. but then to turn back you know then she says hair hair god send thee care um mm -hmm. can, are there some please like elaborate on that charm specifically if you want to but are there other charms that are really famous i mean that's the only one that i can think of off the top of my head besides mm -hmm. elf, elf shot which you can explain to everybody what that is but are there other like charms and things like that that would be very recognizable to us today um like i mean the shape-shifting one definitely elf shot um the the use of dolls you know puppets um the use of like um using bags as well like she talks a lot about fitting stuff with bags or using like mostly to lame uh, one of my favorites like she makes <laughs> yes guts like frogs guts and, and whatnot um and mostly one of my favorites like when she's she says that she's trying to keep sick the the lard um i think his name's harry harry forbes no he's the minister sorry he's the minister of um um Alden. Um, and she's, she fills this bag with con horrible context, swinging it, and she's like, he's laying in his bed, he's laying sick and sore, letting lay in that bed two days and three days more. Uh, no, two months and three days more. Um, but yeah, like, I think, not specifically the charms, but the way we think today in a folkloric um, witchcraft level, like, using the, the, the use of the devil and the, you know, God, in the same contents like you've made a perfect example like so to turn into a hair you're using the the, the power of, of the devil but to be re like returned back to human shape you're using god and it's simply because you know that that context is like to turn into something that's not in your natural form that is devilish to to be in your natural form is godly is very um, godly yes as as god has created man in his image mm -hmm. so yeah so it, that's very interesting right um but i just i mean it's it's hard to explain like um the context like in, in the ways that they're used in the two like so um we know for a fact there's no there's there's not devil worshiping going on specifically of people pretending they're christians and then on the sideline devil worshipers we know that's not happening here but what is happening? I mean, I think within the confessions, you know, like I think her her use of the devil is exaggerated a bit. Well, quite a lot. <laughs> but I no less, I think she would have used the devil's name. Um, and I use an example of this in the book itself, where um you can be a good Christian, right? But it you can also work with the devil in such that if someone is harming you, they're an evildoer against you so therefore you place them in the hands of the devil to be punished um, and i make an example of it so like there's a the black books of albion um they were that was written 40 years after isabel's confessions and in that black book it says how to like i make example how they punish a drifter you know by like use the devil's name to punish them like, and this is still like a society where they're Christian, like, and everyone is Christian. 
so um it's very tricky so it's, it's sort of like to be a good christian you can't use christian magic to harm however you can still be a christian and dip your fingers in to the devil in a way that um, you put that person that you're making to suffer or to curse in the hands of the devil. So the devil, I never did it. I just simply asked the devil to do it because <laughs> I'm a Christian, right? I'm a good Christian. Cause I, I just simply Christian. asked the devil to do it and it's up to him if he wants to do it. Wink, wink. It's very similar to the way that you were describing earlier, um, the devil's plantation, which for those mm -hmm. people who aren't familiar is a, it's a plot of land that um, it, it's a folk practice, I think primarily in um, the whole of Britain. Um, mm -hmm. It could have started some, haven't read the book, sorry everyone. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's essentially like a, small plot of land that you would keep mm -hmm. on your personal plot. I don't know if there's like a, a matter of size. I don't think there is. I think it's what is quite accessible to the farmer. But essentially, you leave this plot of land unkept. You don't mm -hmm. plot it. You don't put any anything on it. You just let it grow naturally as it is. Yep. And that is essentially the devil's portion of the land. And I think I'm theorizing here because, again, I haven't re re read the book and I didn't grow up in that environment. But essentially, the idea is that, you know, the devil is the wild, untamed, mm -hmm. um, um, folk, you know, part of nature that's very wild. So you can't tame the devil. And in order to appease the devil and, and make sure that your crop and your plot of land is successful, you need to give him um, a portion of that. And that's mm -hmm. just for him. And you don't trust wow. him. And it, it's not devil worship. It's, it's, it's not because you want it to be there. It's just because he is there regardless of whether you want to or not. And, you know, if, if you're going to get into bed with the devil by, by having farmland, you might as well ensure that he's going to assure a good crop. Yes. Perfect. Like, I, yeah, you explained it perfectly. Like that is the right. I mean, in Scotland, it's called the Goodman's crop and the Goodman um, can be evil referred to the devil um, or a, a fairy, um, a leading fairy, like a hobgoblin could be a goodman um but yeah the goodman's craft so yeah it's essentially a, what you leave for the devil in so he doesn't harm you because he's still there like he still has a, a in christian ideally he still has his works in the world like in in you know today's society and he's still meddling within like amongst the people and trying to corrupt them and that's what they're seeing so so you're you're appeasing him but not worship him sort of sense it's the um, devil's tithe yes yeah and it's so it, it's quite interesting how this relationship is separate but one at the same time in the in the way it's been practiced um and you see themes of that like you know i mean i remember years ago everyone used to be like there's no devil in the crack like and oh, that yeah. was the thing mm -hmm. you know in the night is and we know today that's it's not true. <laughs> like it really isn't. Even within like cunning craft, you know, it the devil's in in the works. Like, um, and then also like what you know, the new there's been new studies of you know how we broach um, how folk are seeing the devil, like the folkloric devil. You know how um, fairies are are put into this umbrella of the devil um, because they they don't fit into Christian ethology and, and belief. 
so therefore they're devils. Uh, and then like you've got like other fairies, like we devils. <laughs> uh, so that's something that we call in Scotland as well. Like, oh, then we devils. <laughs> I noticed that in the confessions, you, 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 you were, as I'm reading them, I'm like, okay, so now we've got the devil and we have fairies and we have the fairy land or fairy realm. Mm -hmm. And it's just like all these different things. And I thought that was so fascinating because I really never, I kept a lot of these types of things very separate. I thought, you know, mm -hmm. fairies fell under a very pagan sort of realm, but that's not quite the case. Oh, and again, it's, it's through the night is like, mm -hmm. um, as we will all be familiar with it, um, is, is being fed to you that, you know, fairy faith and fairy, working with the fairies is pagan but it's not true like no. it's, it's happening with every society um i mean in a, in a british context like it's happening in all societies and, and communities regardless of their religious persuasion like um they know these beings exist and they want to keep them happy because they if they piss them off your livelihood is at stake your crops could fail your your cattle couldn't die like so you need to keep, you, you don't want to work with them. Um, and I, I've been burnt before working with Faye and there's a new selective Faye that I work today. Um, but you, you want to keep them happy. Like you don't want to anger them um, because they will fuck your life up. <laughs> and it's still apparent today. And I've, I've experienced it as well. So now I just, I just I acknowledge them. I, you know, I keep them happy but I, I don't bite them in. <laughs> it's a kind of like a chat at the door. It's a set of coming in for a cup of tea. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting to see the development. And this is a development that I, I learned from the works of like Dr. Alexander Cummins, as well as like other like mm -hmm. historians like Owen Davies and, and things like that. But the development that I think is really interesting from like, fairy belief mm -hmm. mixed because when we think of witches witch has been around for a long time but in britain what we think of as witches starts to take shape and form basically in the you know during this time during the early modern period after king james so it starts to develop from fairy lore as well as like thief beliefs like beliefs surrounded by like people who thieve and and steal and then also you know like um pagan stories and, and things like that that start kind of conglomerating into like taking the idea of like the fairies and and starting to put um you know make the fairies turn into witches is essentially like mm -hmm. how it starts happening that the fairies start to shape into witchcraft beliefs instead of fairy mm -hmm. beliefs now it's witchcraft beliefs and then witchcraft beliefs turn into demon beliefs and then you know mm -hmm. the 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 evolvement over time is i think really interesting that was just a little um aside that no is, and like in, specifically in, in scotland um there seems to be a lot more law regards to to fairies as a f familiar spirit and dead couldn't like dead of a dead um cunning folk that you're working with um and um yeah like oh, i completely lost my trail i hate that when it happens i'm like and it's gone <laughs> um but yeah yeah i don't know that's gone now <laughs> no that's okay i i had something really good too and i completely oh, forgot I, what it was and it'll, when hit, that happens, it'll hit like, me five hours from now and i'll be like damn i wish i could have talked to ash about that oh. um 
like hold on to a balloon that's just going to fly away anyway. <laughs> so your book is out. Um, mm -hmm. My yep. my copy is coming in the mail. You yes. um, have the book itself published through um, Amazon, so people can get it through there, I believe, right? And they can also get it through your Etsy shop, correct? No, no, no more. Um, the Etsy shop was just purely for their special pre-orders. Um, um, I'm not doing any more of them. It was very stressful as this. <laughs> Signing them and get them all out. So um, you, you should receive yours, um, hubby, very soon. Um, it is, yeah, it'll be here very soon. Yeah, it'll um, probably be here tomorrow. But no, you can you can purchase it in Barnes & Noble and on uh, Amazon. Um, and yeah, I've, I've gone the indie author route <laughs> with it. No, that's really exciting. I've, um, there are some other works that I, I've been thinking about publishing too, and I'm mm -hmm. debating on putting it down in self-publishing or if I want to LLC, which I might do instead, but um, that's not important. That's neither here nor there. So that's really, really cool. And I'm very excited to, um, to receive it. I think Marshall and I both got a, a special copy. There's some cool yeah. art that's going to go with it as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, is there anything else that you would like to note for our listeners, um, you know, just before we sign off? Well, like, other than that, like, for those that bought a copy, thank you very much, like, and supporting that. And I hope you enjoy reading it. Um, if you're looking for other content, like, in regards to um, Scottish history, folklore, folk magic. I'm on Instagram as Scottish Cunning Ways. Um, I am on Facebook as I have a Scottish Cunning Ways group, which is a platform for researchers can share information and then post my information up. Um, and then I also have my um, other Facebook, Scottish Cunning Ways shop, where I do my commission works. Um, but yeah, you can find me on, on Instagram and Facebook if you, because I always, I, I find when I come across things that are interested, I pop it up, like, um, in, in hope that people else will enjoy that content or that information. I have one more question before we sign off too. Um, you mentioned this on your Instagram, but I wanted to draw attention to it. The aesthetic book, the cover of your book, the way mm -hmm. that it looks it's beautiful. It looks like an old, aged black book in the way which you might imagine something like uh, Isabel's would look like. So, yeah. can you tell me your inspiration or where the idea came from, or what 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 brought the artwork for the cover out? Well, I, I did a video about it actually because everyone kept asking me this question. Like, I I didn't think it was like great because I, I designed it myself, and I just thought mm, it'll do sort of thing. But <laughs> everyone just loved it, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, I'm, to be fair, there's a lot of things I was surprised about the book. I didn't think it would do so well. I didn't think that people would love the artwork in it. Um, but yeah, so um, it's actually based off a, a real book. Um, it was a so we have like things called cardboard sales or like yard sales, but like people rent out like a field and everyone has like a store and they sell their, their things. And years ago, I bought this little journal um, and the, whoever wrote it, they called it a correspondence book. Um, and it really is like a, a book of sorts because it has like mathematical equations. It has like recipe, like um, cuckoo recipes. It has like herbal remedies that, for the hair, like so making your own shampoo. Um, it has like stuff like making chocolate buns like it really is just a random um, yeah notebook and its first recordings was 1870. Like commonplace and books we have those here I mean everybody would have had like a, a commonplace book at, at some point in time probably in their family and there, a lot of oh them my. are lost just stuff that you just, now. 
you just scribble down when something needs to be recorded or whatever. And you think, oh, shit, right, I'll write that down. And then, you know, um, and yeah, essentially what that is. And so looking at the book and I, I, I knew I was going in the direction of um, it being, if Isabel Gaudi had a black book, what would it look like? What would it, what would the content be? I mean, and I specifically say like, it's, it's very unlikely she would have had a book for several reasons. A, illiterate, and B, to have that kind of content is very risky and dangerous. Um, but yeah, I looked at it and I was like, I like, I have this old notebook from the 1800s. And I'm like, and it's it's not specifically big. And I'm like, you know, like if Isabel wrote a book um, and she was literate, I think it would be easily fillable like this size. Uh, and then it just stemmed from there. And then I was like, right, okay, so I'm taking pictures of that book editing it and, and, and creating the graphic, like the, the design for the book. Um, originally as well, like, and I talk about it in my book, um, it wasn't just going to be called Isabel Godi, like Black Book of Isabel Godi. I actually had a dream, um, a vision, she came to me. Um, I won't go into what happened in the dream or the vision. And it just so happened to be coming up to the anniversary of her last confession. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, I, I didn't even know. And I was like, right. And I just happened to start looking into, I was like, right. I already had a chapter, a big chapter on Isabel Godi and her, her charms and spells. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dedicate it to her. Um, and it makes sense. And I think she was like going to give me, I think she was giving me a bitch slap, really. She was like, uh, <clears throat> like, like, I've been in your life and your whole magical practice and you're not going to do this? Like, because she's a sassy lady. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, so that's how it created. Um, but yeah, um, and then it's like, so going back into the, the visions of Isol Godi, and it just so happens, like, it was the, the anniversary of her last confession. I was like, I'm going to do an event where like we're going to honor her we're going to do this we're going to have people come on there and sing poetry and, and songs and stuff and really celebrate this woman which is influential within folk witchcraft today um which I did and I had Calden on I had uh, the kayak's uh, daughter on um and it was like I said a poem which is in the book and it was it was a nice wee event on Instagram and I'd like to think I did justice in like given her a shout out and given the the recognition that she deserves um and then, and then I continued and announced that and then dedicating the book to her so yeah there's a lot like and there's another project on the but there's a project as well to do with her in the the midst but I'll announce that later on so bye well, I know we would love to have you back on when mm -hmm. you do announce that and you're ready to birth that into the world. Push it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok as the Witch of Southern Light or on Twitter at MarshallWSL. I'm Austin at Bainx Bramble on Instagram. And Ash, thank you so much for coming on. Um, please tell everybody where we can find you, where we can find your book and all of your information and all that. No, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed speaking to both of you. Like any chance to speak about all things spooky and magical, like I'm there. Um, but yeah, you can find me on both Instagram and Facebook as Undo Scottish Cunning Ways. Um, 
specifically on um, Facebook, I have a group called Scottish Cunning Ways, where it's a platform where people can share folkloric material on specifically Scottish base. And then I have my shop as well, which is Scottish Cunning Ways shop on Facebook. But generally, I'm, I'm mostly in, on, on, on Instagram um, under Scottish Cunning Ways as well. That's Scottish Cunning Ways, all one word, right? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. 